freight efficiency with NACFI's Mike Roth and Friends. Here in episode 63, we're joined by Eric Neandros, the CEO of Gladstein Neandros and Associates, where we talk about working with truck builders and fleets to navigate into the future, the importance of total cost of ownership in clean transportation, and how taking risks is what will identify winners. He also talks about the three main drivers of the move to more sustainable transportation and gives advice on what the industry needs to be doing now to speed up adoption of alternatively fueled vehicles. Today we have joining us Eric Neandros, the CEO of Gladstein Neandros and Associates. And it's a real pleasure to have you on today, Eric. Um, I'm really looking forward to this time together. Well, thanks for having me, Mike. You know, this is uh, freight efficiency with NACV's Mike Roth and friends, and we hold that up pretty high, but that's uh, easy with you. I mean, you, geez, Eric, do you know when we uh, when we first met? Uh, it was a while ago, for sure. Uh, we, we've got to go way back to, I, I think, some of the beginning days of NACV, if I'm correct in that. Uh, we got linked up in early 2014. Um, and, and I think we reached out to you guys. You were kind of new on the scene and doing some good stuff and getting people's attention. Um, and, and we were, frankly, fairly new with ACT. We'd only begun in 2011, so we hadn't been doing it too many years. But um, we reached out and wanted to connect to see about doing some work together and trying to promote each other's activities and uh, ended up figuring out how to do a, a NAC fee workshop at ACT 2015. And uh, the rest was history. Let's go back to the beginnings of GNA. So t tell us about the organization, um, how it started, and, um, and where, where you're at today with the, with the group. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, GNA started as GNA, which was uh, Gladstein and Associates, started by Cliff Gladstein in June of 1993, um, given that I, I came in 99, so not, not too long after Cliff had started the, the company. But when he started GNA, uh, the focus was a little bit more broad, and they were looking at a lot of air quality issues in the Western United States. And at the time, it was much more focused on stationary sources, power gen, industrial, commercial, those sorts of things that were a, a bigger part of the air quality challenge uh, back, back in the you know, late 80s and, and now early 90s. And there was a lot of work going on to try to figure out how do we address this. And there was a guy named Carl Moyer, which the Carl Moyer Memorial Air Quality Program is now named after him. And Carl had kind of a saying, he says, it was, it's the truck, stupid. If you want to clean up the air, it's the truck, stupid. <laughs> and he was a big advocate to say, look, you know, these diesel engines running down the road are really polluting quite a bit. Uh, and nobody had really paid that much attention to it until that time. Now, keep in mind, back then, a diesel engine was certified to 10 grams per brake horse per hour NOx, 10.0, right? So wow. we're now at 0.2 and 0.02 on the natural gas and some of the propane engines, right? So we've come a long way. You know, a, a diesel truck back then would, would belch out about two tons of NOx emissions per year. And now, of course, we measure that in, in just a few pounds. So those levels, uh, you know, were true until, you know, 2000 or so. Um, and it's... Uh, uh, that black smoke's gone. I mean, we've made so much progress. Of course, we have so much more to do. Don't don't ever take my comment that way. But it's it's good to take a look back and and take stock of what's been accomplished. 
Yeah, no, no doubt about it. I mean, you look at that emissions chart, right, that shows the squares and the, the decreasing numbers, and then you look at 0.02, and you're just sort of like, wow, that's, that's really impressive. There's <laughs> a lot of smart engineers that have done a lot of great work to get us there, for sure. Um, but yeah, still, still work to do. So back then, you know, it was, it was really about air quality, NOx, smog, right? There was no real discussion around climate, GHG at that point. But the other big thing back then was also energy dependence, right? And, and Middle Eastern oil and, and, and national security threats and those sorts of things. And so all that sort of congealed and, and GNA started doing work for some of the air quality agencies like CARB and the federal agencies like EPA and also the, the Department of Energy, California Energy Commission saying, you know, how do we begin to tackle this truck issue, which has this two-part um, you know, a potential solution on energy uh, security and, and air quality. And so we started looking at what are, what are the options, right? What's out there? Uh, we looked at natural gas, liquefied and compressed. We looked at propane. We looked at biodiesel um, and really anything and everything that was out there. Probably methanol was in the mix back then. Um, and, and relatively quickly came to the conclusion that natural gas and, and back then liquefied natural gas was probably the, the best solution available. And so that then transitioned us to begin working on the development of infrastructure corridors and, and the Interstate Clean Transportation Corridor, the ICTC was the big one. It was I-5 up through Central California into Northern California, across on I-80 into Salt Lake City and back down I-15 through Vegas and into Southern California. And, and the concept was let's, let's get some infrastructure along this corridor so that we can begin making the conversion of, of the fleets that run those miles. And that led us to then begin working, of course, with some of the big fleets, uh, Ralph's and the, the groceries, the Kroger's, Albertson, Safeway, et cetera. Uh, Harris Ranch was the, the first truck deployment of natural gas commercial vehicles ever. Uh, they, they put a whopping 12 trucks on the road in 1999 and built a station in Central California. And a lot of that was government uh, supported work. And, and part of that was also doing outreach and market engagement and these little little educational events that we would do um, with a few dozen people and probably on a good day, a few hundred people. <laughs> and so we kind of, we grew from there. Um, you know, you asked kind of where we are today, fast forward to, to, to GNA today. And, you know, we're working with most of the major OEMs, a lot of the big, most progressive fleets, trying to help them figure out, you know, what is, what does the future hold, right? And how do we navigate this world of not only air quality and, and energy issues, but now, of course, climate and sustainability is, is probably the main driver. And our events have grown up a little bit from a few dozen, a few hundred to shows like Act Expo, which we hope to get uh, north of 10,000 this year. So grown up a little bit. I think that's an understatement. I mean, I, I think, um, you know, I, I remember uh, actually coming to Long Beach before Act Expo. I know I was still at Navistar working on uh, just helping think about some of the future of, of, of where we're coming. And, you know, we, I, I call it now a plethora of solutions that are, that are out there from hybrids to natural gas to uh, electric and hydrogen, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, we don't have all enough time to go into all of America, but what makes, think maybe um, given all of this time, you've been working on both infrastructure and on the truck technologies, on legislation, on TCO, 
you know, what makes without maybe spending time on each one, but what makes an alternative work on trucks? Um, you know, what is it? Uh, and I've probably, this is the big question, but, but what is it that makes it work specific to unique duty cycles and, and different segments of the market? It's TCO in my mind. Um, you know, I was on a call this morning with one of the big national fleets talking about how do we get to these science-based targets and these goals and, and percent reductions, et cetera, et cetera. And, and they wanted to know, you know, do I think it's possible, right? Does it sort of pass the smell test that they would go from here to there in, um, in the next 20 years, given the magnitude of, of change that would be required? And I said, yeah, it's, it's possible. You know, I think you guys are big, you got a lot of capital and resources and very sophisticated team and the trucks will be available and the infrastructure. Yeah. While it's, will take time and it's, it's slower than most people would like. You, you can get it done. I think 2035 was the goal we we're working against. So 13 years. I said, you can do it, but does it make financial sense, right? Um, that's the big question. Are you going to be able to go out to your customers and offer them a competitive rate and, and get their business and, and ultimately for you stay in business, right? And so big part of what we do is, you know, I say, look, we're in the sustainability business. We help customers first and foremost to remain economically sustainable and then environmentally sustainable, right? We have to do it in that order. Otherwise, you will have zero emission operations because all your trucks will be parked. Yeah, sure. Sure. But, you know, even on the TCO, I mean, the, the world's changing a lot, right? So uh, we all have to factor in the uh, sort of the cost of doing business under the changing aspect of what sustainability really means and what, um, uh, you know, because we really can't use the models I mean, we can learn from the models and the, the understanding of, of the past but um, uh, and, and use that as sort of a proxy for the future, but um, things are changing, right? They are. They are. And there's a certain element of, uh, you know, risk-taking slash expectations that things will work out. Um, but I think in particularly the, you know, somewhat conservative world of commercial fleets, that only goes so far. Um and I mean, you know, Mike, as well as anyone, the proof is in the pudding, right? Yeah. For these technologies to work and to scale at the level that we need to, to get to science-based targets, net zero carbon, et cetera, et cetera, we're, we're beyond a 10, 20 truck pilot, right? This is now several hundred trucks per year type of procurement for some of the big companies. And to do that, there's just no way around it. The TCO has to be there, right? And that TCO, obviously it captures costs around assets, infrastructure, fuels, maintenance, residual value, major one, uh, as well as, you know, the incentives. But it, that also then captures operational issues, right? Weight, range. Can I go do the job that I need to do? Or do I have to buy two trucks to do the job of now one truck, right? That gets factored into a TCO as well. One of the things that I, I, I was thinking about asking you and I now, I, I know I'm going to, is just like dynamics of, of, the, of these, of, of now. What's cool, the dynamics of now? I think um, with respect to these, to, these, um, to these opportunities, I think one would be legislation, regulation, incentives that we see with, you know, from the ACT to now the IR a uh, law for incentives um, being one. Another one being the interesting mix of manufacturers with, you know, new startup uh, truck builders and, and uh, component manufacturers, uh, you know, 
kind of fighting alongside for the future with established ones. So, you know, the Dana Meritors Cummins become an electric and electrified while we've got these new startups. And I don't know, maybe those two are just the tip of the iceberg. Um, but I feel like there's uh, a lot of dynamics here, maybe a third one's investment, right, from Wall Street and so forth. But there's so much of these dynamics that's healthy for this industry um, and a little different than it was maybe 10 years ago. What, what's your thoughts and comments um, on, on that? I have to imagine that many in the industry feel like they live inside of a snow globe um, with with so much floating about and, and changing. And I, 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 I kind of boil it down into three categories. And, and frankly, this has been kind of my stump speech for the last, I don't know, two years or so and and continuing to uh, to evolve. But I, I kind of look at the world and I say, like, there's there's three main drivers that we see for the market going forward. One is clearly investment, right? Um, you've got, by my uh, you know wet finger in the air counting method, well over $500 billion being invested by traditional OEMs, by startup OEMs, which comes from you know, lots of different sources, uh, you know, whether it's SPACs or private equity or venture capital, et cetera. Um, you have a gazillion dollars money like we've never seen from the federal government between the Infrastructure Investment Jobs Act and the Inflation Recovery Act, tens, if not hundreds of billions of dollars, right? Um, you then have carbon credits through programs like the LCFS. You, the California market, I, I believe, that if I remember the data correctly, in 2020, there was $42 billion worth of trades in the California LCFS market. And now we have utilities that are stepping up to say, we're gonna put our money in to help seed the infrastructure development for commercial fleets, right? And the three California utilities, PG&E, SDG&E, and SoCal Edison, they've got over 700 million themselves. And we're starting to see that expand to other utilities around the country, Excel Energy and, and, and Duke and, and others. Right. And so just this massive amount of investment, hundreds of billions of dollars from every angle. Of course, that doesn't count the investment being made by the end use customer that's going to go spend a few more bucks to try this equipment out. Right. right. Um, but the level of investment is just really bananas. And I, I kind of give you just a quick contrast. So when we launched Act Expo in 2011, one of the things that was really driving that and driving the evolution of our, our little small regional shows out at the Ontario Convention Center, which was very Southern California centric, was the fact that the Obama Recovery Act put $300 million into the DOE to, to help push the alt fuel market, the commercial alt fuel vehicle market, right? $300 million <laughs> sort of gave rise to Act Expo 2011. And I would argue a good eight to 10 year run of technology development, advancement, et cetera, just from that little bucket, right? Now we're, we're going from 300 million to hundreds of billions. It is unfathomable to think about what that's gonna to do to the market over the next several decades. And to me, that's just one of the three factors, right? The second factor I look at is this, this commitment around sustainability and carbon reductions. And we're starting to see it, right? The Pepsis, the Amazons, the, the Walmarts, the, the Unilevers, you name it, right? Big global corporations are saying, we have to get to 
you know, fill in the blank, whatever their goal is, right? And I think I, I sort of generally summarize them as net zero by 2040 or so, right? Right. And, and to do that is going to require a fundamental shift in how they run transportation and logistics and what are the vehicles and fuels being used in their supply chain, right? And the commitments and pronouncements that they've all made are very public. They're backed by, you know, shareholder commitments or in, in some cases, uh, activist investors. Um, we're now starting to see the uh, SEC disclosures, which I think is going to have a huge impact on all of this. It's just, it's the way of the world, right? Um, and I know there's a lot of disappointment in kind of what comes out of these annual UN climate summits, Paris or Copenhagen or whatever, right? People say, oh, we didn't, we didn't get the commitment. We need more, da, 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 da. But I look at it and say, look, the corporate world has already responded. They're putting these, these lines in the sand. They're committing to these carbon reductions and they're, they're structuring the company to go realize these goals. And that is a humongous change from where we were, I think to your question, 10 years ago, right? So now we have this dynamic where you have the buyer saying, I'm going to buy the product. I have to buy this product. And you have the seller saying, well, I'm going to spend a couple hundred million, trillion dollars, whatever it is to, to, to build and make this product available. And that buyer seller interaction is just critical, right? Yeah, it's hard. We don't really know how this is all going to work right now, but we're going to figure it out year over year, right? And that's kind of what makes Act Expo so fun and exciting, right? It's like, that's, that's where we're we're sharing the figuring it out every year, right? Yeah, yeah, that was really the essence of my question. It feels like that that you know that simple simple supply and demand dynamic is uh, is very real, mm-hmm. um, and it's driving. Uh, it probably is helping to drive your first point around the investments. But uh, tell me about your third. <laughs> well, the third is the backstop of regulation, right? Um, it, it, and, and we see that globally, right, where, where there are a couple of dozen countries that have said, we're going to ban the sale of, of combustion vehicles, and we're going to mandate the sale of zero emissions. And we, we, you know, we've seen that all over the world, and Europe is obviously a big leader in some of those areas, but so are some of the, uh, the other countries around the world. Here domestically, we're starting to see that in California with the, the advanced clean truck rule and and the soon to be adopted advanced clean fleet right to say you know thou shalt sell zero emission trucks as an increasing percentage of your annual sales and on the buy side thou shalt buy so that any a percentage of your fleet by these dates you know essentially all before 2045 you got to be 100 zero emissions right and you know california no surprise has been the leader on that but we're starting to see that adopted in other states oregon washington new york new jersey massachusetts have already adopted the act and then we've got another half dozen states in Washington, D.C. that are in the process of doing so. That's the sell side requirement. But on the buy side, I think as soon as CARB adopts the advanced clean fleet, these 12, 13 other states are going to say, well, we're going to do that too, right? To get a, have that dynamic of buyer-seller requirements. And that's just one you know, of, of multiple regulations that are sort of pushing th- this path. And so I sort of look at it and say, look, the, the, the seller wants to sell it. The buyer wants to buy it. And hopefully we get there. But if not, the regulations are going to be the backstop to kind of make sure that we're making good progress toward that 2040, 2045 type of goal, right? And so you put all that into the snow globe, and I kind of scratch my head and say, well, it, it, it looks like we might shift from petroleum to non-petroleum in the next 20 to 30 years. Right? Yep. And and that's, you know, that's kind of where we're at now. You get into the hard work of, you know, whether it's by market segment, sub-segment 
regional down to each customer level and what are the solution that makes the most sense what's the business model that makes the most mm -hmm. sense and and where some of them become you know tco positive or at least um you know a belief in it then action will start to take place and you know organizations like gna and NACU right there to to support all those actors um very interesting Eric. hey as we're kind of running out of time as, as time always flies um think about what uh, given your experience and all of this work over all these years and, and you know you with uh you know in the in the consulting work you do you, you get uh really close with your customers and you really understand sometimes at a deeper level working on their strategies and actions than than a lot of the rest of us do so given that sort of understanding that you have there um you know what are maybe a couple of things that you think that like the people listen to this and even NACFI, what are some things we should be urgently doing uh, maybe that we're not doing or that, that you think is like super important um, that we can go act on to, to make this happen faster? The simple answer that comes to mind is, you know, just keep going, keep pushing, keep, keep buying stuff, keep trying stuff, keep experimenting. Right. Um, and boy, with uh, a couple of hundred billion dollars of government money out there to help, you know, ease that transition, there's never been a better time to to try stuff, right? Um, and and see what works and and see what doesn't, right? I mean, failure is is sometimes good. Is hey, now I know that's not going to work for me, right? I've tried, I've tested it, fine, no problem. Um, but I did find in the process that this works really well, right? And I think um, sharing that is is really critical in a lot of what we do, and I know a lot of what you do at NACVI. Right is is let's let's share the, the good the bad the ugly and, and help. Really, it's all about raising the tide, right? Um, and if we can share, hey, here's the things that worked really well. These are the mistakes I made. Don't do this. That's going to help the next fleet to just be that much more successful and that much more quickly. So keep at it. I guess is the simple version. I'll tell you one of the things that I, I also would recommend is we really need intellectual honesty, right? I, it's particularly around this sort of zero emission. Pat, there's so much excitement and there's so many cheerleaders. Oftentimes we find that there's an, kind of an unwillingness to accept the challenges and the things that aren't successful, right? And, and uh, a little bit of a head in the sand approach to, you know, well, you know, let's not pay attention to that. We hope that'll go away, right? Like, yeah. And I think we really have to be open and honest and share the reality because if we don't, it's just going to prolong the transition. And I think yeah. the faster we can say, look, this is a challenge and we all need to work collectively to address it, the faster we'll get through it and and be more successful. Thank you so much for joining me. This has been a lot of fun. Um, we, we covered a lot of history, but also um, I think we we really thought and, and, uh, and talked about what it's going to take to move forward. So good luck in all your work and, and thanks for joining us. Well, thanks for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity and look forward to uh, continuing our conversations on and offline here. Freight Efficiency with NACFI's Mike Roth and Friends.